When I was growing up, I often lay in bed at night listening to my dad sing and play the piano as he practiced and composed. One of his compositions was a setting of the 23rd Psalm from the King James Version of the Bible. He dedicated it to his parents on their 50th wedding anniversary. His voice and his music are in my head and my heart whenever I hear these beautiful and familiar words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. These are our sacred stories. Thanks be to God. He didn't say it every night, but often enough that the beautiful poetry of Psalm 23 is written in my heart. It's interesting, isn't it, what stays with us? My mother has been dead for 36 years. There are so many things I do not remember about her, and there are other things that remain as clear as if they were part of recent experiences rather than decades ago. How her fuzzy pink robe felt when she snuggled me, how the kitchen smelt when she was baking, how she seemed to have a poem memorized for every occasion, the way she smiled before beginning the book she had selected to read to us. Love never dies. Love does not disappear. Death does not stop love. Love is eternal and stays with us like the shepherd God described in Psalm 23. Listen again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside still waters. The Lord restoreth my soul and leadeth me in paths of righteousness for the sake of the Lord's name. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
Many have pointed out how the psalmist moves from addressing God in the third person to a much more personal first person, moves from talking about God to talking to God. What you may not know is that in Hebrew, there are exactly 26 words before thou art with me and 26 words after thou art with me. Thou art with me is the center, the heart of this psalm. God is with us. We are not alone. Even if or when we wake in the night to our fears, our grief, our despair, we are not alone. Even if we are missing loved ones who have died, if we're missing family and friends who've moved away, we are not alone. Love never leaves us. We're connected by invisible strings, invisible strings of love. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Surely the psalmist doesn't mean that we will never lack, never desire, never face scarcity. The Hebrew word for want is esher. It's the same word used in the Ten Commandments for the commandment around coveting, thou shalt not covet. So this beautiful psalm is not suggesting that the people of God will never hunger, never want. Rather, it's inviting us into being satisfied with what we have. This is about living out of abundance rather than scarcity, about being grateful for our lives, for the love that we give and receive each day. I shall not want because I shall not covet, not long for, grasp after, envy what others have. I shall not want because I will be satisfied with what I have. And being satisfied, I will give out of abundance with generosity, with cheerfulness and compassion. God's abiding presence is the center of this psalm and it weaves its way through each verse. And while it's often read at funerals and memorial services, this psalm is certainly written by someone who's living the psalmist walks through the valley of the shadow of death, through it. In other words, is not abandoned there, not left there. The psalmist is never abandoned by God, by love, is led to the other side. How beautiful. How beautiful and friends, don't we sometimes feel abandoned? I don't know about you, but when I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, sometimes I have had hard times imagining the other side. Don't we sometimes find ourselves so consumed by pain and grief and worry and hurt that it seems like there will be no goodness and mercy? Our cup does not overflow. The psalmist feels this too. Psalm 22, the psalm just before the one we read today, is the psalm Jesus quotes from the cross. It begins, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? From the words of my groaning, doubled up in pain, I call to God all day long, no answer, nothing. 
and keep at it all night, tossing and turning. And the psalmist then continues, I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It's melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a pot shard. My tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. The psalmist looks around and sees pain and suffering and injustice. Jesus looks around and feels his own pain and the injustice of the political and economic and religious systems of his time. And they cry out. They cry out in their grief and their despair and their longing. They cry out their feelings of abandonment. Jesus and the psalmist do not ignore the suffering of the world. Instead, they scream their lament, their outrage. And they encourage us by their example to see what's happening around us and to cry out to God our pain and concerns, our questions. So many Christians operate under the belief that they should not express their outrage to God and certainly never at God. But the Psalms teach us that God is ready to hear us. The Psalms teach us that God, like a shepherd, longs to lead us in paths of peace beside still waters. When the world is too much for us, the Psalms give us a place of connection, connection to our pain and lament and to comfort and praise. We need lament. Sometimes things are not all right and God wants to hear about it. With God, we don't need to cover up or put a smile on or pretend it's okay. Sometimes it's not okay. Sometimes we're mad. Sometimes we're mad at God, at the injustice, and we can say it. We can say it and lament. We can say it with marches and signs and votes and calls to our representatives. A lament is imperative to our religious spiritual life. When lament is absent, religion loses its authenticity. But lament alone is not enough. Yes, we need to cry our agony when things are wrong, and we can also lean into joy when something's right. Praise alone is not enough, and lament alone is not enough. We need these two heart-pouring expressions to compel us to act, to act for justice, to act for peace, to act for forgiveness and reconciliation. Praise and lament, lament and praise. There is a difference between complaint and lament, just as there's a difference between praise and a Pollyanna attitude. Both praise and lament seek justice. Lament cries out, cataloging the injustices and the suffering of the world and proclaiming that something must be done. And praise responds with the history of God's steadfast love to all generations. It responds with the hope that something will be done and we will be the doers. 
It lets us believe that change is possible. Praise calls to all of us who know what it is to be in exile. It calls to us, telling us that God, like a loving shepherd, is with us. We are not alone, even if it feels that way. And these days, it feels that way, doesn't it? With the wars in Ukraine and in Gaza, with horrendous images and death tolls rising, with hate speech, threats, and harm happening to Jews and Muslims around the world. In these days in our country, where we have, according to the Gun Violence Archive, experienced 565 mass shootings so far this year. 565. On this day, when we hold space for our grief, we must hold that number. And know that it's not a number, it's people who've died. And so we lament. We lament these wars and we lament this gun violence and we grieve. And we let our lament compel us to change. We grieve too for those who have suffered from destructive storms and illnesses, for the thousands of other kinds of losses that plague our days. There is so much devastation. So we must, we must also find within us praise. God's steadfast love endures forever. We are not alone. Grief isn't erased by joy. They exist together in the same moment, sometimes in the same cry. The longing absence and the gift of life together the holy and the broken, and God is in it all. God is with us, a shepherd, caring and loving and doing the most God can do in any given moment. And sometimes the most God can do is be present. In these days, we think not only of war and gun violence, we think of the helpers, the helpers who tend the sick, who help clean up after the storms, who seek peace in every way possible. And these days, we look for the ordinary humans doing what they can, where they can, to address the needs and the pain and the suffering. Yes, there is so much devastation and new babies are born and new relationships are formed and love is grown and shared. There is good work happening and good things don't get lost. God is with us, with us in the shadows of lament and the brightness of praise, with us when we walk through the valleys and when we sit at the banquet table. God is with us, not divvying out rewards and punishments with us, walking with us through the valleys and sitting with us when our cups run over. With us, welcoming our cries of lament 
and our shouts of praise, urging us always toward healing and wholeness. So yes, today we grieve. And yes, today we celebrate the promise that love never, ever dies. We are always connected, always connected through love. Thanks be to God. Amen.